Hello everyone and welcome back to the first episode of the new year of A Pint With Peter. I hope you're all excited to be back just as much as us. Of course I'm here with Chris. Hello. And my dad. Hiya. So dad we doing, left... Doing a pointless scene. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so yes dad, we left off the last episode on a bit of a cliffhanger with mentions of a commune and... A fallout between you and Barney. Do you want to continue where well, you left yeah, off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you have a very good memory, I must say. Yeah, I'm sitting here with all my New Year attire. I've got my New Year. You're looking very stylish. Yeah, yeah. I got me. We got me snood. <laughs> my New Year snood. Brand new snood. My New Year um, aftershave. My New Year socks. Unfortunately, no underpants. No, we didn't treat them this year, Chris. Oh, oh this one. I've uh, been thinking about it. I'd, I'd call this the end of an era, yeah, era as in mistake. And I think what I'm trying to do with you guys, being a bit uh, social historical here, is to try and connect my own tiny experience with kind of uh, wider, a wider view, you know, about what was happening with my generation, if you want. Don't forget, you're talking, my perspective is the perspective of a provincial prol. So you've got to, you've got to bear that in mind. So, OK Boomer. It's going to be a big term in 2020, apparently. OK Boomer. Well, it's already so a lot of shit now. I come out with this afternoon, you're going to have to stop <laughs> me and say, OK Boomer. It's a kind of... Um, 2020 version of mansplaining, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. you come across it. So let's indulge in some intergenerational cross-fertilising <laughs> banter. <laughs> you know, one skill, I, I, as you know, I developed a few years ago. I, I used to do hypnotherapy and uh, I've also maintained my interest in neuro-linguistic programming. So if you want to... A boring podcasting and what neurolinguistic. I did think that would be a good idea. Too. So, but basically, what I'm trying to do here, because I, I know Chris is obviously a film buff, is I'm going to get you to. I'm, I'm going to play the movie of the seventies or a kind of limited budget five minute indie version of a movie from the seventies. So back then, I. I I think there's probably still people my age who are probably living up in some remote part of Wales who use the uh, argot, the slang of the time. So let's scene set. And back then you might say, what's your scene, man? Yeah, do people still say that? No, no I guess not <laughs> say my very often. Yeah, so what's your scene, man? Okay, so let, let's, let's roll the movie. Setting the scene. I think... For many people like me, and this is an ongoing debate now, for example, the lowest attaining group in British society at the moment is white working class boys. I'm a white working class boy, but luckily, by the skin of my teeth, if you go back to my early 20s, the one kind of surviving feature that did help me was I was reasonably well-educated and, and I, I had reasonable qualifications. We were going to do this at the time of the election, weren't we? So I was thinking to myself, educationally, just to give you, a, again, a picture here, I was sub-Boris Johnson, but better than Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> you with me? Yeah, yeah, very much with you. So if you read between those lines, it means that I had a kind of handful of what would have been called O-levels at the time, and a couple... A very kind of low grade A levels, which probably 
uh, eventually saved me because this podcast really and maybe the next one it's all about personal salvation <laughs> if you want I had um, as I explained before no no visible means of support back then I was completely off the radar and uh, Barney and I were still making frequent trips uh, to London uh, Aberystwyth uh, Birmingham, Coventry, you know, weird, weird places all over. Buying and selling stuff, we, we call it that. It could have been antiques, it could have been something more nefarious, as you know. And at the same time, run, running parallel with that, we had seriously looked at this rundown cottage in a beautiful part of Staffordshire called the Roaches. I mean, that, by the way, isn't a drug reference. Do you know what a roach is? You know what a roach yeah. clip is, right? Well, well yeah. you know, so, you know, back in the day, it was... Russell's looking puzzled. No, 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 no I, I think I do, I think okay. I do. Explain to him what a roach I, is. I, yeah, just in case. It's like, it's like, a roach clip is like a pair of tweezers. Yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah. You split. I, I know what they were, but I didn't... Yeah, you want to watch with yeah. Nail and I, because he... he um, it's just building a joint, basically. A roach is, is, is a really beautiful corner. Of, of the Peak District, so this little cottage, we, Barney, his 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 wife then, and and myself, and a few other people, you know, who shall remain nameless, were seriously considering um, setting up this commune. What you've got to remember is the idea of communal living was very very current at that time, and if you go back into the history of communal living it go in our country it goes way back to cromwellian times you know pre-cromwell uh and there were a group called the diggers have you heard of the diggers the name rings a bell the diggers. I and, and, I and, and you had also the, the levelers a group called the levelers and uh if you they were basically if you want early early um adopters, if you want, of what would now be called communism. Um, and the main idea behind their thinking was basically the redistribution of land that they thought had been seized uh, and giving it back to the common people. You see, there were people back then who felt, you know, 1600s, disenfranchised by what had happened with the Norman invasion. With 1066, you know, people, people wanted the land back. So you had the diggers, and you also had the levellers, and the levellers, um, again, wanted land owned in common. You know, I'd exaggerate if I said there were massive influences. Over in the States, uh, your girlfriend's American, you, you can ask her about this. Over in the States, the big influences were 19th century individuals. One was uh, Henry David Thoreau, who wrote a book called, well, a series of thoughts, really, called um, Walden. And uh, it, it was about him spending a couple of years alone in, in a log cabin, where he just let his imagination run free. And, if, you know, if you go on Wikipedia or whatever, you, you'll find Henry David Thoreau, you know, hundreds of quotes. He, he was a woodsman, and he was a back-to-nature guy, and he was somebody who believed in, in sharing things and basically keeping life simple. I mean, what I'm trying to hammer, hammer home in each of these podcasts is how, it'd be too crass to say nothing's new, but a lot of the ideas 
that are current now do have their origins, you know, way back, way back. Um, and the other guy, um, again, I don't know if you've heard of him, was Ralph Waldo Emerson. They all have weird names, don't they? And I can't remember which way around it was, but I, I think uh, Henry David Thoreau, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson was his mentor. But these were back to nature guys. These were guys who wanted to move away from the city and to live communally. And um, in, I haven't watched the movie yet, but um, one of the movies that's currently being nominated for, for an Oscar is the one that basically finishes with the Manson murders. Is it called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yes. Uh, yeah. Correct me. Right. So I've hammered this point home numerous times. Many, many of the ideas that were current uh, in England and filtered down to individuals like myself inevitably had their origins in the States. Mm -hmm. So what, what you had in, in the States, when the hippie movement took off, people with a bit of brain power were thinking, you know, what are we going to eat? Where are we going to sleep? Back in the day, it was called Crash. That's where you have, that's where you have Crash Pad from. Crash Pad. I feel like we still use it too. Yeah. We used to use it when we were younger. Crash Pad. Me and Charlotte still, still use it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, who, 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 would give, who would give them jobs? You know, a saying at the time was um, tune in, drop out. Have you heard that? Yeah, and Timothy Leary, you'll have to check Timothy Leary, he was a kind of acid guru at the time, but, you know, people in the know, you know, realised that you, you could have this movement with its peace and love and so on, it was disintegrated even in the, well, I think it was completely disintegrated by the mid-70s, but you had um, one of the main guys in America was called Peter Coyote, who, if you know American film, he actually appeared in loads of films, but he started off a kind of diggers movement in San Francisco. All of this stuff really originated in, in San Francisco. Um, and what he and, and people around him espoused was getting stuff together for people to share and having it, if you could, free of charge. You with me? So mm -hmm. you had you had the commune, the communism type idea, the nature thing, yeah, and and you had um, the free notion, the notion that things could be free. I mean, you can you can, you can already. I, I mean, you're sitting and listening very intently, but you can see how this is going to turn to shit very quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think in the states, I haven't spoken to any Americans recently. Probably in its early days, it was working quite. Well, but inevitably, as we've spoken before, it was taken over by less uh, healthy influences. But when I was, um, you know, in my early twenties, you would have free concerts. I think I mentioned in a previous podcast. I, I at the time went down to London with Barney. We slept under a hedge in Hyde Park, by the way. Got moved on by the cops. Um, <laughs> we um, we watched uh, we watched Rolling Stones in Hyde Park. That was a free concert. We uh, saw who would it be? Blind Faith. Huh. They did a free concert. They were they were cream. You know, if you, if you check your pop history. We saw another atrocious American band, uh, like the Simon Cowell band at the time, called Grand Funk Railroad. Oh, but you, but you, you, you would have free concerts, literally. I mean, only, the only charge would be, you know, somebody would make, people would maybe be walking around with a bucket. Yeah, I remember a little bit of 
artistic reference here. You know, performance art nowadays. Yeah. yeah. I remember, I can't remember if it was the Free Stones concert or the Free Blind Faith concert, but I remember somebody standing, a guy, standing at the front of the stage and masturbating, and everybody was watching intently. <laughs> as if it was early performance yeah. art. Are you with me? That's the kind of um, sooty kind of stuff that, that was going on. I also, a couple of times, a little piece of history for you, I, I, around that time, one of the um, big meeting places of the hippie tribe, if you want, was the Roundhouse. I think the Roundhouse is still going. It was um, former... Uh, railway uh, yard, you know, where they turn, where they have a big round yeah. turntable yeah. in the middle of a roundhouse. You can still see all that, actually, because things back then. And I, I saw a few, a couple of um, concerts at the roundhouse. One of the bands I was really into, they were called the Pink Fairies, yeah, which yeah. was a bit kind of pre-gay oh. joke, really. I mean, back in the day, if you had long hair, uh, you know, a homosexual slur would be, you're a fairy. Yeah. I mean, some things don't one. change. So this band called themselves the Pink Fairies. And um, the Pink Fairies, for example, they tried to follow the example of Peter Coyote et al. They did free gigs. When I saw Hendrix at the Isle of Wight, they weren't allowed into the festival. They did a gig on the perimeter huh. of the Isle of Wight Festival. But the Roundhouse... For example, um, you could get free food. Really? So yeah. it's free food. Uh, it's a bit bit like um, Sikhs. You know, Sikhs have um, it's not a temple. It's called a gujarata or something like that. And they, they often give free <laughs> food to all and sundry. So using the language of the time, briefly, there was a very pleasant sharing vibe. Yeah. And you knew you could kind of troll off. Uh, to, to London and places like that in your greatcoats. People used to wear army greatcoats in those days, yeah? like a trench coat. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember saying that. Because a big outlet for fashion, if you want, then was the army and navy store. They must have had all this surplus shit from from <laughs> from the Second World War, you know, and it's still there. Well, isn't that how, like, jeans kicked off? Because it was all, like, old... All the denim was old army... Uh, maybe yeah, I think it was. Possible. Yeah, so I, it's a, it's a story I'm, like I'm, denim. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, sure all the old like hippies would just get navy pants and then rip them up. Yeah, it's pro- probably a mistake. Yeah, I mean, sadly, even now, such a lot of stuff comes from the states, doesn't it? So I was kind of, I could see the cracks appearing. To be quite honest, you know, as I say, I, I was. I was a fixed abode. I was sometimes staying with Barney and his wife up in Derbyshire. I was sometimes at, at County Road, yeah? But I'm afraid County Road was kind of... And again, it's like the dream turning into a nightmare. You know, County Road briefly, and I think it's almost a microcosm for what probably was the experience for a lot of people. It's all around drugs, really. Don't do drugs, kids. They're awful. You know, I don't. I really don't recommend them. Um, you know, basically what started off quite nicely, it very quickly degenerated. So County Road became, I think of it as a haven of probably bad company and good cheer. You know, at its best, it, it was good cheer, but the company gradually became badder and badder, and uh, it got tattier and tattier, and some of the um, people I was involved with at the time, they were probably uh, a little bit more intelligent, a little more perceptive than me, and they suddenly kind of drifted 
off the scene. Do you know? Yeah. What, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, funnily enough, I, I don't really have diaries from that time, but I, I, I do have a few references, and I actually found a few the other day. And uh, the first one, Damien Hurst, eat your heart out. The first one, because foods. You know, it was scared. You know, you couldn't you couldn't spend loads and loads of money at the supermarket. You simply didn't have it. One of the I didn't do it. Obviously, it was some naughty boy. So, <laughs> if you were wandering around the town at say three o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in in the morning, yeah, there used to be fishmongers, and the, the fish was delivered probably straight from Fleetwood or somewhere like that, and the fish would be in little boxes outside the fish shop, completely unguarded. So just occasionally, these naughty guys <laughs> you know, um, would, would steal these fish, would steal the fish and obviously cook it up, blah, blah. And uh, one, of, one of my memories, going back to County Road, when County Road was originally set up, there were uh, two or three really... Uh, nice girls, you know, kind of middle-classy type girls who were part of it, you know, wearing their um, cheesecloth shirts and their loon pants and, you know, their nice fragrant hair. And they um, initially, you know, it had stuff like flowers in vases and things like that. The kitchen was nicely organised and uh, they had a, a goldfish bowl, a lovely little goldfish bowl with a castle in it and that sort of stuff. And uh, I remember going going back to County Road, and it's a, it's a great image. It was a goldfish bowl in which you had serenely floating the corpses of two smoked kippers. <laughs> I thought recently, it's kind of predating, it's kind of anticipating Damien Hurst yeah, for about 40 yeah. years, isn't it? You know, you walked in, and it's quite a big tank as well. And what you'd see, the castle had gone, the weed had gone, and there were two frigging kippers <laughs> floating there. And more seedy, I remember going upstairs, and um, I remember, it's funny what, you know, if I was a painter, you'd kind of paint it, wouldn't you? I remember looking at a, a used condom sitting there amongst soggy ciggy butts and spent matches. And, you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of little uh, obscene things. Yeah. And... Um, because I think it's, I think you, you both watched Train Spotting. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, very, very. Don't get me wrong. It's very, very far away from Train Spotting, but um, it got a bit out of control. Um, you know, you'd, you'd be sitting there. Uh, people took sugar in those days, by the way. You know, everybody had two or three. Even though you look at the pictures, everybody's quite thin. Amazingly, everybody uh, was brought up on sugar with you know two sugars, three sugars in your tea. And uh, you'd be, another memory is you'd be rummaging around in the sugar bowl and suddenly you'd find a couple of barbiturates would serve <laughs> you know what I mean yeah, yeah. I'm just trying, trying to give you um, a picture here of, um, of, of what was going on so it was it was it was definitely in decline so what I decided was to save money to start the commune and to see where it took me yeah, and, and to quit County Road and that scene because it was getting a bit toxic. Yeah. I think, really. Because you could be busted in those days, you know what I mean? It was called busted. You know, you, you could get in trouble with the police. And mm. it became so ridiculous. I don't, I don't know if I mentioned it on another podcast, but County Road, as you know, at one, hand, one end had the General Hospital. Yeah. Yeah. I remember a couple of occasions, you'd be walking along the main road, you'd look up from the house 
to the general hospital. And you could see the CID up there doing surveillance, and you'd wait. <laughs> That's how stupid we were. You could see them. Yeah. They, they were doing surveillance, and you know we could see them, they could see us, and we were so dumb. We actually <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Hi, guys, yeah. It's like um, a game of cat and mouse. Yeah, very, like... very much so. But, um, you know, it, it basically, um, I mean, how I put it is you went from a situation of uh, searching around for what I call escape velocity. Do you know what I mean? I mean, each and every one of us, in a way, is looking for something that will lift you from the mundane. We all, we all yeah, I, I you know, agree you, to you, that. You, yeah. you cannot live your life. Uh, with everything being ordinary and commonplace, so for me, County Road, you you would you you move from that search for a, escape velocity, but in actual fact, you were falling deeper into criminal space. Do you know what I mean? That's in, what I say, you can't. Inevitably, because. Uh, obviously, if you're in that kind of milieu, drinking too. I, I, I've never been a heavy drinker, but people people did drink. Uh, you're in that kind of drink and druggy type environment. Eventually, there will be casualties. You know, so that was the idea. Did they, um, did they, you know anyone that OD'd or? I think if you speak to anybody of my generation who was moving in those circles, yeah. Yeah, nobody close to me, but... Um, kind of like I, a friend of a friend. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, people, who, a couple of acquaintances I, I knew quite well, um, they possibly still have problems now. You know, they basically had mental health problems from taking LSD. But if, but if you read uh, around this, um, it's exactly the same now. You know, if you are someone who has an existing mental health problem, if you start taking drugs, particularly certain drugs, you, you are en route for real problems. It's always the same. It's always mm. the same. So, yeah, a couple of, couple of guys, uh, I mean, back in the day, as you know, it's called a bad trip. Mm -hmm. Having a bad trip, man. So, yeah, but... Um, I think, I think what's interesting, uh, you know, I, I came from a small town, although I went down to London uh, with Barney and other people quite often. If you look at the, the kind of heavy drug-taking thing, you know, the Class A's, there would be a subgroup who were into it, but um, they weren't really people I knew. So you did see it, it, it was around, but in, in the circles I moved in, it was considered very uncool. Mm. You know, it was a kind of bridge too far. If you remember me telling you about um, myself and Barney being at the Isle of Wight Festival, even selling speed, if you go back to podcast three or whatever. Yeah, people, remember people, people shouting you to out, get the saying, shit yeah, out. Sell, yeah, yeah, go and sell that shit elsewhere. Mm. We don't want that crap around here. Um, so I think what you've got to remember, just... Again, going back to money, um, I'm talking early 70s, 72, 73. The average weekly wage was probably, in a kind of mid-level job, it's probably about £40. So you're earning £40 yeah. a week or um, you know, £150 a month. So you, you, you figure it out. So um, a kind of, if you want a, a, a medium wage, would be obviously 12 times 150, 160. So you're talking, I mean, 2,000, if you, if you earn 2,000 quid per annum back then, it would be, it would be quite a lot. So my room at um, County Road, although it had a little lock on it, I seem to remember, it wasn't terribly secure. 
And again, you were getting dodgy, dodgy people. I mean, it's incredible, really. I mean, people used to knock on the door, and they'd come from all over. It could have easily been CID or whatever, yeah, because, yeah, because, you, because you were chummy. You know, it's all <laughs> come in, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> crazy, really. And thinking of it, it probably were a couple who were CID. You know, mm. Probably checking you out because some of them were dead obvious, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I remember later, and they used to occasionally, it's, it's a whole new podcast, They, when the authorities realised that even in small towns like the one I came from was beginning to develop a problem, they obviously started bringing the odd CID guy, and, and, and you'd see them, they were like, uh, it was like an identikit, hippie sort of thing, you know, you could spot them a mile away. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. almost as if they were wearing a wig or, or whatever. They just you could you could tell you know you could you, you could tell. Yeah, they definitely had a look too. Though. They definitely had a look. But um, being a little bit concerned about security, my friend, make sure I use his pseudonym here, Greg. Yeah, Greg. Greg. Right. I mean, I think talking about casualties, I think a bit later on, going back to the last podcast uh, where we were talking about, did we call him you? You know, when, when he did. was finally, when Greg was finally pursued to, I think it's even on the internet somewhere, it was, it was um, a little 10 minute section where Greg is in a kind of fly blown garret in Beirut being interviewed by this guy and uh, he's looking in a pretty bad way so maybe he became a casualty you know maybe some of these people yeah. I'm talking about but Greg um he had the difference between me and him he like Barney was somebody who took things too far you've probably known people like this yourself you know most people are moderate you know and then they slip out of moderation then they get a, fl a feeling for oh my god this is a bit dangerous and both Greg and Barney were like this you know nothing was enough they had to keep taking it to the nth degree yeah yeah there's a big difference um, maybe they had addictive personalities I don't know but what Greg gave me because as you know he came from uh, quite a religious background actually family were all quite devout Catholics he gave me he must have spent hours doing it he gave me it was A4 just to give you an idea the size of the top of that laptop he gave me a prayer book okay not what I was expecting no. called, I think they called a missile something like that probably had a special name what he'd done probably under the well definitely <laughs> under the influence because again he probably what was what now would be called ADHD I mean he could concentrate on doing things for hours whereas I couldn't you know he's one of these people once he started doing something, if he had enthusiasm for it, he'd be fixated. Mm -hmm. And what he'd done, he'd used um, a scalpel and a metal ruler, and he'd actually hollowed out this prayer book. So that was my safe. Kind of like in the Shawshank Redemption. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, I have seen the movie. I don't, mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's what it was. He, like, hides his hammer in a prayer book. Oh, OK. Right, yeah. so, so it was a prayer book. And, you know, your adult thinking would be, if people look at what's on my bookshelf I'm not going to be interested in looking at a prayer book no. yeah. that was that was the logic but um well I, and, I, and I never told anybody uh, about this prayer book by the way and um where all this trouble began i came back one day to county road and um unfortunately when i looked 
in the prayer book, my treasure trove had gone. Oh. My treasure trove had gone. What was the treasure trove? A hundred pounds. Uh, yeah. I had a hundred pounds in five pound notes. <laughs> I don't forget a hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're not, talking, you're not talking rich, but I'd say the average wage was 40 pounds a week. Yeah, so it was a substantial So amount. it's basically, you know, if you guys think of it as a month, yeah. a month's mm. wages, something like that. And, um, <sighs> I just knew, I just knew that Barney had probably taken it because yeah. he's one of the few people who uh, you know I would have sat with in that room and um, and uh, you know he might have seen me because things even then were getting a bit wild. I mean, can you see that scar on my arm? Yes. You see it, yeah. Even now, after forty years, it, it's quite livid. And uh, what is it? About three inches long. Yeah, I think yeah? so. I mean, uh, on one of the wilder nights, um, you know, we used to take mandrakes. I think mm -hmm. I don't know mentioned yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah what yeah, your but... girlfriend would call qualudes. I think mm -hmm. it was half a podcast. And uh, I was a bit more physical in those days. Although I've never been kind of muscular or anything. And we used to. Um, seems weird now. Yeah, we we get stoned and probably be smoking, and then then we'd have like what you guys would call a toy fight. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You'd have a yeah. toy fight. Um, I remember he pushed me over into a mirror that was leaning against the wall. That's what you did back then. You had mirrors, yeah, yeah. and it, it shattered, shattered into pieces. And I had this enormous gash. I mean, you can see it's not far from my main arm. No, it's not. But we, we just carried on. <laughs> It was unbelievable when you think about it. We just we just carried on, and yeah. I wrapped it up in toilet paper <laughs> and carried on. And um, a couple of days later, when it was getting a bit manky, I actually got a handkerchief and secured it with sellotape. That's how kind of primitive <laughs> things were back then. And it was probably a week before I went down to the general hospital and, and had it fixed. So that's the kind of sort of thing you'd see there. I mean, one, I've got here digressions, detours and departures. Um, I mean, obviously, because you're my son and, you, and your mum's sitting there in the background, I, I don't particularly want to dwell on it. But um, <laughs> Well, as much as you like. But one of the features of the era that you know, I have mentioned before is, you know, the sex thing. Because I've been talking to you about free food and free concerts. Free sex. No. Free love. Yeah, well, free that's, love. that's the point. Yeah, that's the point. I mean, I'm not even going to go uh, Philip Larkin, you know, the classic before the Beatles first mm. LP, if yeah. you know that quote, because obviously I'm not of that generation. I'm, I'm a boomer. Philip Larkin was the unfortunate kind of pre-contraception, pre-pill era. Mm. Um, but what really, really fascinates me is if you take a provincial prol like myself, um, although the opportunities for Congress, sexual intercourse... So that's um, weird for it. Congress, yeah, were compared to previous generations much more available. I'd say, I don't know if your mum agrees, the old mores, the old rules still applied. In other words, if you're, if you're an ugly bastard or not particularly attractive, or there weren't many fat people around, by the way, back in those <laughs> days. Uh, 
you probably, using the language of time, you probably didn't get much. Yeah. Yeah? I mean, it was crude. It was a crude era. I remember when I worked in that factory, you know, you come in in the morning, the first thing the, a guy would say to you was, getting much, Peter. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, uh, I feel like it's probably still quite common in lad culture now. Yeah. But um, if you look at the available commentaries on that era. I think if you were a genuine metropolitan, you know, I think if you were a middle-class arty type who was living in Islington, Notting Hill, blah, blah, you probably did pretty much, you know, have had quite a lot of sexual encounters. Um, For people like myself and, and my friends, yeah, I do remember being sexually active, shall we say, but I often joke with your mum, if I, if I was in the business of writing a bad sex guide, you know, I could, I could really do a good one. <laughs> because, you know, for every kind of transcendental experience, there was lots of clumsy yeah. failures. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So maybe in that respect, things, things don't change. But it, it was an era where, if you want promiscuity... Uh, was present, but I don't think it was present in the way in which possibly your generation think it was. I think it was probably available, as I say, in certain contexts with certain people. It almost almost sounds like today still. Yeah, exactly. Nothing, well, things do change, obviously. But um, I mean, upstairs, I've I've got um, a book by somebody called Jenny Diskey, who... um, I think she died recently, quite a famous writer. And she, again, would have been, you know, it's crucial, five, seven, eight years older than me. And if you read that book, I remember it said it was uncool to say no. The idea that rape was having sex with someone who didn't want to do it uh, didn't apply very much in the late 60s. So, for, for, you know, if you moved around in her circles, um, she was actually a protégé of a very famous writer at the time called Iris Murdoch. She's quite an interesting character. But um, I, I've heard this before from girls and women who were around in that era. It almost for them, became unpolite, uh, impolite, to turn somebody down. Oh, really? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And, and if, you, if you look, I think what's happening now is I think there's a lot of reassessment of the 70s, um, particularly in the States. Yeah, I think in the States they probably um, did have major issues with it. I, I, I haven't seen that Hollywood film, but um, you know, it, should, it should be good on, on that. Points. So I had my hundred pounds nicked, which was pretty tragic, really, because um, obviously I wasn't signing on or anything, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I was kind of hand to mouth, ducking and diving. So what happened? This this is relevant, by the way, because it's it's going back to violence. Should I mention violence? You know, from nature to violence to some kind of salvation. Um, what happened was. I used to have a friend called Big Brian, who uh, kind of describes him quite well. This was a <laughs> He's big, a bit of a large lad. This was a, he, you know, he wasn't big fat, though. He talked oh, right. quite intimidating. Oh, right. I mean, he looked like um, he had ginger hair, long <laughs> ginger hair and a beard. Um, James. Yeah, <laughs> James. And a buckskin fringe jacket, just to oh. give you a fashion. I want uh, wanting jackets back in the Buckskin fringe. Do you know what a buckskin fringe jacket looks like? It's like I'm a buffalo, buffalo Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But what, what he did 
and uh, another guy who was called Jerry. I'll come on to Jerry later because um, Jerry would be, I don't know if I mentioned him before, he would be interesting from a contemporary point of view because Jerry was black. Uh, he, um, I think you may have mentioned him. I may have mentioned yeah, him the, before. The fruit, he, he was black. And again, he, yeah. was a pretty, he was a pretty big guy as well. They very kindly offered to go in with me to buy must have been several hundred dexedrine and uh, we figured that the best place to go I, I mentioned this because it was my first um, no it's my second actually it was the second time I ever, I ever came to Manchester we, we figured that if you wanted to offload this stuff quick uh, we didn't know Birmingham very well and I think Jerry knew Manchester a little bit we, we'd go to Manchester yeah the only time I'd ever been to Manchester before was to uh, watch Man United play Stoke back in the days of um, Georgie Best and Dennis Moore and uh, that's quite an interesting recollection in itself because outside Piccadilly on match days there were hundreds of double-decker buses that would take you to Old Trafford and it's quite a revelation although Birmingham was a bit like it um, Manchester at that time when I was a kid I was probably 12 was row after row after row of terraced houses all the way to Old Trafford I mean obviously the ground was there but yeah, um, yeah so we loaded up the car and we, we ended up one night in, in Piccadilly and we um, you know, were kind of hassling people around Piccadilly and then this is um kind of indicator of the time back then I, I think I was telling you this uh, when we were in Scotland recently you had beer kellers the big fashion then you know what was state of the art were beer kellers and uh, I remember going down into this beer keller with Brian they were like my minders I suppose you know, <laughs> you know and we did a few transactions, you know, and uh, then we came out. See, this would have been this time of the year, January, you know, you know what these cities mm. are like. We, we came out into the kind of cold, windswept Manchester air. And uh, we went back to Piccadilly. It's much more seedy then. You know, it didn't have all the paraphernalia you've got there now. And then suddenly we realised that we were being followed. What eventually happened... We were a couple of hundred metres from the car and, and we realised that uh, they were skinheads. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, you know what skinheads are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Talking Mancunians. I mean, mm-hmm. you see, Mancunians compared to us, you know, you're kind of working class, bother booted, uh, yobbo, you know, the braces and yeah. the shaven head. Although Jerry and Brian were, you know, quite capable of looking after themselves, <laughs> uh, you know, we had we saw these skinheads, you know, three or four of them at one end of the street. You know, those alleys around Piccadilly. Yeah, they're even there now. You know, yeah. with the waste bins and yeah, and so on. And uh, a couple of them approached us, and uh, it, it became very, very obvious that they didn't want to pay for anything. Yeah, basically, they were going to beat the shit out <laughs> of us and run off. With the with the stuff, there was a little bit of pushing and shoving. Not from me, I hasten. <laughs> shitting myself, and, uh, oh, and we basically like me, <laughs> we basically got back to the car by the skin of our teeth. So it could have ended up. But yeah. It's one of the few occasions where I won't even try Manchester accent. <laughs> it's basically scruff of the neck, you know, hand those fuckers over, yeah. or you know, I'll kick your fucking head in, kind of vibe. 
Well, everyone, we're going to leave it there with my dad surviving and running with a couple of skinheads. Now, we are very much excited to be back behind the microphone and having a cheeky pint, of course. And we hope you enjoyed the first episode over the new year and found it as funny and insightful as all the others. We will be returning next week for the next instalment. And trust me, with the next few episodes, you're in for a treat. If you want to get in contact with us for whatever reason, it could even be to ask Peter a question, then always the best way to do that is through Twitter, at a pint with Peter, or via email, thepintwithpeter at gmail.com. Now, with this being the new year, we really want it to be the year of Peter. So if you can leave a review on whatever the platform you're listening to us on, and even if you know someone that might enjoy the podcast, then why not just pass it on to them? Thanks again, everyone, and on to the next one. Yeah.